This free audio recording is part of a series of messages entitled End Times Events, Prophetic Storm Clouds on the Horizon by Dr. Dave Williams. Stay tuned at the end of this message for a special offer and instructions on how to receive the entire series. Welcome to another exciting message from America's pace-setting life coach, Dr. Dave Williams. After more than 30 years of leading a flourishing church and overseeing the establishment of more than 500 growing daughter churches in America, Africa, and Asia, he has the first-hand experience that will help you succeed and be fruitful in life's calling, whether it be in ministry or marketplace. Dave Williams is a teacher, coach, and trainer to successful pace-setting leaders in ministry, business, and life. And now, Here's Dave Williams. This is the we worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Jesus have preeminence tonight. Amen. Amen. I gave a few books that I recommend. For those of you that want to know more about the blood moons, now, it, it may be sensational, but the, the whole book... Um, it talks about the rapture, the tribulation, and lots of biblical prophecy other than the four blood moons. Something is about to change. So I recommended that. So they have a supply of, of that book by John Hagee at the Hope Store. And then there were a couple other prophecy books that I recommended for those of you that, and of course, we only have three weeks together, uh, two more weeks left together, so we can't cover everything. But if you want to get... Uh, books that I would recommend. There are some that I don't recommend because um, they, they don't follow scriptural uh, guidelines for understanding prophecy. They don't interpret scripture with scripture. But these I do recommend, and the Hope Store has, has three of them, I believe, that I recommended. If you're interested, I'm sure they'll, they'll have them there for you uh, on display. There's no doubt in my mind that we're fast approaching the final chapter in human history. Our generation now stands on the boundary of the wrap-up of human history as we know it. I really believe that. And if, if our ears are tuned to heaven, remember, seven times in the first three chapters of Revelation, just two chapters, two and three, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. There's never been a time more critical to understand and listen to the voice of the Spirit of truth. Because Jesus said the principal sign that was going to lead into the mass deception, the principal sign would be false teaching, apostasy that would eventually lead to apostasy, walking away from the faith, wandering. Now, I had two questions. Uh, the one about the prophecy of Damascus, uh, I researched uh, from Isaiah 17 and, and Psalm 83. Psalm 83 doesn't mention Syria. It mentions Assyria. Assyria is not Syria. Assyria, capital, was Nineveh, and Assyrians did migrate to Syria, 850,000 of them today. But Syria is a different nation than Assyria, as in, in uh, Psalm 83. So that can't be misunderstood. And then Isaiah 17, when it talks about the destruction of Damascus, here's what we have to be careful of. Some prophecy has 
a double reference. In other words, it happened in a minor way at one time, and then it will have another fulfillment. For example, Adolf Hitler could have been considered an antichrist. He created a Jewish holocaust, and there is coming another Jewish holocaust, unfortunately. So he was a type of the Antichrist, but the, when the Antichrist comes, it's going to make Adolf Hitler look like a Sunday school teacher. One half to three quarters of the world's population will die off before the second coming of Christ. Now, in, in Isaiah chapter 17, it does talk about Damascus being wiped out. But if you read further in it, it also says Israel. Is going to be the northern parts of Israel will be wiped out. So there's a lot of talk now. I understand about this Damascus prophecy, and and this is this is one of the dangers. Whenever something is happening in the world, to go find a scripture that might relate to it. Most Bible prophecy experts believe that that was fulfilled in 722 B.C. when the Assyrians wiped out Damascus. And then a double fulfillment when Nebuchadnezzar or, or the Bab- Babylonians wiped out Damascus. Well, and it wasn't one of those prophecies that, that said it was going to be a permanent uh, destruction. Like Sodom and Gomorrah never came back. It was permanently destroyed. And others were permanently destroyed. Now it could have another fulfillment. The only problem is if it does the whole northern part of Israel is also going to be wiped out according to that same prophecy. And that's exactly what happened in 722 B.C., just as the prophet said. And if we understand prophecy correctly, Ezekiel 38 and 39 says, Israel will be dwelling safely when Russia and the Muslim nations make their first wave invasion of Israel. And if... Damascus is wiped out, which it still could be, and northern Israel is wiped out, you couldn't say that Israel is dwelling in peace and security at that time. So that would, that would, um, but what I want to say is there is, number one, the fact of Bible prophecy. The prophets gave facts. This is what's going to happen. Now, you and I make assumptions based on those facts. And the, the problem is when we speculate based on the assumptions. So one, you have facts. Number two, you have assumptions. And number three, you have speculations. And we can speculate on our assumptions, but our speculations might be wrong, like Edgar Weisnow. In 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988, and Harold Camping, Why He's Coming in 2011, and John Hinkle, Why He's Coming in 1996, all that. So, so what we have to be careful of is that we don't interpret the Bible based on current events, but we look at current events through the eyes of the Bible and, and be honest in our dealing, otherwise we get wacky. Now, uh, so that was question one. Question two was, who are the 144,000 sealed in Revelation? It tells who they are. They are Jews. Do you know the Jewish people are the only ones that we know what tribe each one is from because their last names 
tell what tribe they're from. For example, if their name is Cohen, they're of the tribe of Levi. They're the only group of people in all the history of the world that they know which tribe they descended from. And so there will be 144, after the church is gone, after the church age closes, there will be 144,000 Jewish people that come to Jesus. They'll realize that what those Christians were saying was true. And they're going to turn to Jesus Christ and they're going to become the Billy Grahams. They're going to become the Oral Roberts. They're going to become the great evangelists. And they're going to be protected during that final Shabuah, that final seven-year period known as the Jesus called it the tribulation. It's known as the day of the Lord. The tribulation period is known as the day of the Lord. Now, we gave you a handout when, when you came in that told the different names for the tribulation. And on the back, I copied off the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. So those 144,000 are actually sealed Jews, just as it says. And there are 12,000 from each tribe listed, and they are going to carry out the work of God throughout the earth while Antichrist is ruling, and they're going to be protected for quite a long, uh, quite a long season. They're going to d- d- uh, drive the Antichrist uh, nuts. Now, if we listen, remember, he that hath an ear to hear, you know what I hear right now? I hear hoofbeats of the horsemen of the apocalypse. They're headed this way at a breakneck speed, and the signals, God has always given signals. The signals of the end times are so pervasive, proliferating so quickly now, even the most astute Bible prophecy scholars are having trouble keeping up. It is so amazing what is happening in this world today. Now, we have smoke detectors in our house, and, and I hate them. Because do you know when a smoke detector needs a battery change, it goes beep. And you can't tell which smoke detector just went beep. And you got to wait for it, and you wait, and you wait all day, it doesn't beep again. And then the next day, beep. Now, the, the weaker the battery gets, have you ever noticed? It starts signaling. Beep, beep, beep. That's the same as the signs of the coming of Christ. The signs become more frequent and more intense, and it's signaling something. It's signaling that there's about to be a birth of some kind. Just like when Mary Jo was pregnant with, was it Trina or David, when, when all the ladies in the back of the church... I was preaching that night, and I'm going on and on, and the ladies are back there signaling me, pointing to Mary Jo, pointing to their watch. Her contractions are four minutes apart. They're trying to signal me. I thought they meant, go 40 more minutes. <laughs> so I'm preaching on and on. I finished, and, 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 and Mary Jo said, I think I'm going to have the baby. And so we got her to the hospital, and the nurse said, Mr. Williams, you didn't get her here any too soon. And boom, then to, at 1, 2, 3, 4, 12, 34, 1, 2, 3, 4, my daughter was born. And, uh, and so 
that was that was kind of fast. I don't know. I got her there about eleven, and one, two, three, four. Trina was here. But when contractions become more intense and more frequent, you know the baby's about to be born. And that's exactly what Jesus called these signals, birth pains. And in Luke 21, Jesus said, When you see all these things begin to come to pass, then lift up your head, for you know that your redemption draws near. In other words, the generation... And, you know, here's another thing. Since way back in the 1970s, we were taught that Israel is the fig tree. And the generation that saw Israel become a nation will be the generation that sees the return of the Lord. And then you read it in Luke, and it says, as the fig tree and all the other trees blossom, you know that it it was saying, look look for the signals. He wasn't saying anything about Israel. And so... He said, look for the signals. When they become intense and frequent, then you know it's getting really near. Well, the signs now are becoming so intense and so frequent, and Bible prophecy, every Bible prophecy has been fulfilled as it relates to the coming of Christ for his church, and every other Bible prophecy, with the exception of the millennium, uh, prophecy of the thousand-year reign and the prophecy of the new heavens and new earth. Every prophecy left points to the final Shabuah that we talked about last week, that final seven years. So that's the focus of Bible prophecy, that final uh, Shabuah. And we talked about sloppy theology last week. Uh, this week, we want to take a look at the timeline because it's in your notes. You've got to fill that out, you see. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. And we'll start with verse 24. I'd like you also, when you go home, to read Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8 will just blow your mind the accuracy of the nations. And Daniel chapter 9 and and. Daniel chapter 10, 11. All of Daniel is amazing. But where we left off last week, 70 weeks of years, or 490 years, that's 70 Shabuas. A Shabua is a, seven, a cycle of seven. 70 Shabuas, or 70 weeks of years, 490 years, are decreed upon your people. Who were Daniel's people? the Jews, and upon thy holy city. What is the holy city? Jerusalem. To finish and put an end to transgression, to seal up and make full measure, full the measure of sin, to purge away and make expiation and reconciliation for sin. There was a lady in our church named Fuchsia Love. She, she was an old English teacher, and she helped me in those early years. I got all, all kinds of words wrong. And I preached a whole sermon about the propitiation of Jesus Christ. She pulled me aside at the back. She said, Pastor, I don't want to offend you or anything, but I don't want you to be embarrassed. It's pronounced, it's pronounced propitiation, not propitiation. And I said, oh, don't make that tape. <laughs> Uh, 
He says, uh, measure of sin to purge away and make expiation and reconciliation for sin to bring in everlasting righteousness, permanent moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation, to seal up vision and prophecy and prophet and to anoint a holy of holies. Now, therefore, all right, all this... 490 years. And then he tells us, no one understand from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That was given by Artaxerxes. The coming of the anointed one, a prince, shall be seven weeks of years, or seven Shabuas. How, how long is seven Shabuas? 49 years. Okay, there's going to be seven Shabuas. It would take 49 years to rebuild Jerusalem. And then he said 62 Shabuas, or 62 weeks of years, which would be, what, 434 years. You add 434 and 49, what do you get? 483. It was exactly 483 years when Jesus first allowed anyone to worship him as Messiah, and that was when he rode rode into Jerusalem. So that whole Passion Week, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, when he had his trial, when he was crucified, when he was buried and ascended, all that was 483 years from the time the command went forth to rebuild Jerusalem. So there's one missing Shabuah, right? 490 years. What the prophets didn't see at that time was that God was going to take history and put a big parenthesis. God's dealing was always with the Jewish people from the time he commissioned Abraham. And he put this big parenthesis. Paul called it a mysterion, a mystery that was unknown to the prophets. He stopped the clock for Israel. They'd rejected their Messiah. They didn't understand that Messiah would come in two phases. And so we entered this, what's called the age of grace or the church age. It was something that the Jewish people didn't see. It was something the prophets didn't see. Now, something has to end the church age to start that final Shabuah. And there's always a transition period between ages. <clears throat> there will be a little transition. I don't know what time Jesus is coming for, um, for the church. I've got brothers that, that are pre tribulation. I I know a few that are mid-tribulation. Some are pre-wrath tribulation and some are post-tribulation. I have done a personal study of this from Genesis to Revelation and I've come to the conclusion that there can only be one conclusion. And that is something global and dramatic that brings confusion to this earth has to take place to start that final Shabuah. What is it? It's the closing of the parentheses. It's when the Holy Spirit's influence in this world through the church is taken out. Now, how will the Holy Spirit's influence through the church be taken out? Well, they could kill us all, I guess. I think it's going to be the sound of a trumpet. And when we read in Thessalonians about the trumpet sounding... It's not the seventh trumpet of Revelation that sounds. It's an assembly trumpet that sounds that says we're moving out. If you read Numbers chapter 10, you read about the two trumpets. Well, assembly a call and we're moving out call. And that trumpet is the assembly call and moving out call. It's not a judgment call. Because the children of God are not appointed under wrath. God's wrath. 
I met a man that said the tribulation is not God's wrath. It's the devil's wrath from Revelation 12. The devil comes down with great wrath. Well, yeah, the devil's going to be unleashing his wrath, but the Bible clearly says it's a time of God's wrath against unbelieving, immoral people, those that seem to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof, the people that are left behind. Now, it says, No one understand from the going for the, shall the prince come, shall be seven weeks of years, square moat, troublous times. And after the 62 weeks of years shall the anointed one be cut off, executed, or killed, have nothing and no one belonging to and defending him. We find that happened in Jesus. And the people of the other prince who will come will destroy the city. Who destroyed the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD? It was the Romans. Now the interesting thing is, the Roman Empire, even though it, it, it was the only empire that has been overthrown it fell it just deteriorated but in daniel chapter 8 we're told that there's going to be a revived roman empire there will be the secular leg and the muslim leg of the old roman empire turkey was a part of the old roman empire that's a muslim leg part of it and then you've got the uh, european nations that were part of the old roman empire as well and it says that that the ten horns, symbolizing the same thing as the ten toes of Daniel's image, uh, a little horn will grow out. There will be a little one, and that will be the lawless one. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus spoke of it in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. And he says, it, it says, okay, and the people of the other prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there shall be war and desolations are decreed. And he, that prince of the other people, now we're talking about future. And the reason I know we're talking about future is because Jesus saw it as future. He quoted it in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. There are those that are amillennialists or postmillennialists. Amillennialists believe there will be no thousand-year reign. It's just a spiritual allegory. And postmillennialists believe that we have to bring in the golden age of a thousand years before Jesus will come. It's all up to us. And they believe that, that everything, that the abomination that makes desolate was Antiochus Epiphanes who sacrificed a pig on the altar B.C. But Jesus saw it as future after that had already happened. There will be another abomination that maketh desolate in the holy temple once it's built. And it says, he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with the many for one Shabuah, seven years. And in the midst of the Shabuah, he shall call, cause the sacrifice and offering to cease for the remaining three and a half years. And upon the wing or pinnacle of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator. Okay, let's try to get, let's try to get a timeline here because now when we're studying Bible prophecy, let, let me just give you three or four points. And then we'll go to the timeline. One, unless a text 
clearly indicates that it's symbolic, it should be taken literally. We are not preterists. We believe the Bible literally. We believe it when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Even though there are preachers today saying there are many ways to God. There is still only one way to God, and there will always be only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's repenting of our sins and turning to Jesus Christ. We can have forgiveness of sin and know that we have peace with God. So unless it clearly indicates that it's symbolic or it's so outrageous, we've got to take it literally. For example, if I say, it's raining cats and dogs. Now, would you take that literally? No, you know, that is like, man, it's really raining. You don't go out and look, here comes dogs and cats out of the sky. No. But we take Scripture literally unless it doesn't make plain sense. Here's a saying. When plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense or you'll end up with nonsense. (laughs) Number two, let Scripture interpret Scripture. For example, a person could be, what are the golden candlesticks that are talked about in Revelation? And then they go, ah, let's see, candlesticks. And they come up with some theory. All they have to do is read a little farther and find out it's talking about the, the churches. If the Bible says Israel in the Old Testament, it means Israel in the New Testament. What replacement theologists have done, their theologians have done, is they've replaced Israel with the church. They say the church is now Israel. No, we're in a parenthetical, we're in a parenthetical period called the age of grace or church age. There is still a Shabuah left of God's direct dealing with Israel. Seven-year period. If it says Jerusalem, it means Jerusalem, the city. Now, the reason amillennialism and postmillennialism was so popular in before the 1940s was because Israel was not a nation. There was no Israel. It was Palestine. There was no Israel, and there was no way Israel was ever coming back, and so the church became Israel. Jerusalem became heaven. So every time you read Jerusalem in the New Testament, it was talking about heaven or the new Jerusalem. And every time you read Israel, it was talking about the church. And then guess what happened? In May of 1948, Israel became a nation by the Balfour Declaration. Israel became a nation. Now all of a sudden, well, we better rethink this stuff. And there, there were prophecy preachers in the 1800s and as early as the 1700s that were saying Israel will become a nation again. God will gather together the Jewish people from various parts of the world and Israel will be reborn. They were saying that based on the scripture. There comes a time, listen, there, there will come a time people will not know what the truth is. You'll hear people talking on television. It'll sound true. But there is coming a time when we have got to go by the book and by the spirit of truth or we're going to not know the truth. It's the truth that makes us free. And uh, it's knowledge of the truth. I mean, the truth can't make you free if you don't know it. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. When we were at the Dome of the Rock, we visited that Muslim um, 
worship center on the Dome of the Rock where they think the old uh, temple was. It isn't, but they think it was. And uh, they, they were telling us, this, this rock here is the very rock that Abraham was going to sacrifice Ishmael on. Now, is that what your Bible says? It says Isaac, doesn't it? They have replaced Isaac with Ishmael, and all the promises of Isaac go to Ishmael. That's replacement theology. It's changing God's eternal word to make it say what you want it to say. That's why we have to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And that's why, number three, we have to pay close attention to context when we're reading. Is he speaking to Israel? Is he speaking to believers? Uh, for example, Matthew 24, 24, this generation shall not pass before all these things be fulfilled. Well, look at the verses before. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the fig tree? No. He's talking about those who see the abomination that maketh desolate. When this final world leader moves his image into the temple, that generation, everything will be fulfilled in that generation. Now, I happen to believe that we are what some are calling the terminal generation. That we are the ones that are going to see all these things begin to come to pass. Now, let me just give you a, a, a timeline here. Here's, here's the four, 490 years were determined upon the people of, of God's people. The Jews in their holy city, Jerusalem. Now, 483 years passed and Jesus was cut off just as the scripture said. Now that's when the prophetic clock as it relates to Israel stopped. And we went into this parenthetical phase we call the church age or the age of grace. Pastor Kev talks about God's Grace awakening in this city to understand God's amazing grace. And so we would go through time. Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. Now there he is in heaven now in his intercessory ministry. And what is he doing? He's preparing a place for us. John 14. And this church age goes on. He said, and go into all the world and preach the good news, making disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, at some point, this age has to end. This age has been going on almost 2,000 years. Now, some have believed in studying the genealogies that it was 4,000 years from the time of Adam to the time of Christ when he, when he came. 
and that the church age would be 2,000 years because there's a scripture that says, after two days, I will revive thee. After two days, God will revive thee. And even the epistle, epistle of Barnabas, which is apocrypha, it's, it's not part of the scripture, but he was an early church father that believed this. That that would be 6,000 years and and then after 6,000 years, the 7,000th year, we would enter in the period of rest, peace, and prosperity, the, millennium, the millennial reign of Christ. And then after that, the next 1,000 years would be the new heaven and the new earth because eight is a number of new beginnings. That's, again, you know, you've got fact, you've got assumption, and you've got speculation. That's speculation. But this isn't speculation. Something has got to close out that church age to get to that final prophesied Shabuah, seven years of God's direct dealing with the nation Israel. I believe that can only be one thing, and we're going to, we're going to look at that, and I'll talk about it in, in a little bit. Jesus is coming, not to earth, but in the air. With a trumpet, with the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ will rise. Notice it, it doesn't say the dead saints will rise. It says the dead in Christ will rise. He's talking about the church. The dead in Christ will rise. Then we, Paul, Christian Paul, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is probably Revelation chapter 4, chapter 2 and 3 is church age. Chapter 4, metatata, after these things. The Greek, metatata, after these things. After what things? After the church age. A voice says, come up hither. So, Revelation chapter 1, come up hither, and in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, we, we find the church in heaven. And then Revelation chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6 to 19, we never read about the church on earth. We read about the elect. We read about saints. We read nothing about the believer, the, the church, we read nothing about it. The 21 rapid-fire judgments that will pour out in Revelation 6 to 19, there's no church there. The church is not on the earth. The church is in heaven. Now, I want to clear up some myths about this tonight as, as time permits. We don't find the church again till the second coming of Christ. Now, I'm just going to make that a, a break in time so it, this is going to be the final Shabuah. We'll call that seven years or the final Shabuah. The day of the Lord. It's known as the day of the Lord. You know, the day of the Lord is not a good thing on the earth. It's always been a bad thing. You read about it in Joel the day of the Lord is the day of the Lord's wrath. 
Okay, so this, the, the church is gone. There's mass confusion on the earth. At that time, there will be an invasion on Israel some, sometime in here. Ezekiel 38 and 39. Russia and Muslim allies. Now, who's Russian aligning with right now? The Muslim nations. They say it's for oil. It's for more than oil. I can guarantee you they've got their designs. And Russia owes Iran a lot of money. Russia borrowed money from Iran. Russia gets oil from Iran, ancient Persia, and owes Iran a favor. And Iran has always wanted to annihilate the Jews. There's coming another Holocaust. It won't happen here, though. Ezekiel 38 and 39. And again, we don't know the exact time of this. We know it will happen, and we have our assumptions, and we have our speculations, but I'm giving you the facts and my assumptions of when I see it happening and why I see that happening. This invasion is going to fail. Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Russians and the Muslim nations go down to invade Israel to take a spoil. Do you know Israel's gross domestic product is 200 times more than any of the nations around Israel? Israel's a prosperous nation. According to Joel Rosenberg, Israel is a secure nation right now. They have missiles everywhere. It's secure. It's dwelling safely. That if, um, if a missile comes, they have the power to take out nuclear reactors, nuclear stations. They, ha- they have the power. Israel is as secure, more secure than it's ever been right now. So don't let anybody kid you. And Benjamin Netanyahu said, with or without the United States, we are going to protect ourselves. Because so many times the United States has stepped in and tried to talk them into negotiation, giving up more land, dividing the land. Mm -mm. God gave Israel to Israel. The Romans imported the others. The the Romans imported criminals from Turkey and Greece. Instead of... uh, putting such a burden on the prison system, they just sent them to Israel, and to offend the Jews, they named Israel Palestine, which was the Roman way of staying Philistine because it was their most bitter enemies. And so the Palestinians are not really Palestinians. They were imported from other nations by the Roman government when they named Israel Palestine after 70 A.D. of, of killing um, a million Jews and uh, wiping, wiping them out. Now, along that time, a man is going to arise. And again, there may be some transition period. A man will arise known as the man of sin, the lawless one. He'll have no respect for, for the law or constitution or anything. He does what he well pleases, the Bible says, in Daniel chapter 8, Daniel chapter 11, 
you read about this man of sin. He's the lawless one. He's the son of perdition. He's, he's the man who will have the whole world magnetized. It's amazing how people can worship another human being. But he'll have the whole world magnetized right, right at his finger. He'll have the solutions. I believe there'll be a huge financial crash. He'll have the solutions, and he is the one. He will have some roots in the old Roman Empire. I don't know how, but we do know that he's the little horn that comes from the old Roman Empire that has been revived. And... And he will barter after this invasion fails and five-sixths of the Russians and Muslim invaders are killed in the mountains. It almost looks like nuclear chemical explosions, like their own devices explode on them because they, they set flags by the bodies and nobody touches the bodies. That, uh, that they need some allies and for some reason, the United States is off the picture. For some reason, the United States has lost its power in the world by that time. Now, there have been speculations about that. Number one, we could dwindle away like Rome did because of our moral carelessness. People are more interested in happiness than they are holiness. America once was built on the Ten Commandments, the Judeo-Christian ethics. And now we hear our leaders going around saying we're not a Christian nation, that the Muslims have done great things in America. Look at New York. He'll rise with all the solutions. The world will worship him. At some point, there will be an assassination attempt on this world leader. According to Revelation 13, by time we get to the three-and-a-half-year mark here, now this part is, is called tribulation. The last three-and-a-half years is called great tribulation. This is the part where, as we read in Revelation, death camps will be set up, Rapid-fire judgments will be poured out from heaven. And you know, the interesting thing is, we're told in Revelation 9, the people don't repent of their murder, their fornication, and their sorcery. They don't repent of abortion. They don't repent of, of their sexual sins. They don't repent of their sorcery, their pharmakia, their use of drugs. I never thought I'd see a day when enchanting sorcery drugs would be legalized in America. I never thought I'd see a day when gay marriage would be permitted in America. To say that two men or two women have equal status as a husband and a wife. I never thought I'd see it. So America just might dwindle out to nothing. Or number two... There could be the greatest financial crash in all of history. It is brewing right now. Five years ago, we had 
trillion dollars in debt. Today, we have almost 18 doubled in five years. And now, economists say the debt in the United States has reached terminal velocity. And one professor out at the University of California named Professor Hamilton says that the real debt is $70 trillion that we've been hoodwinked, that they keep taking things out and fudging the figures, that the real debt for the United States is $70 trillion. Now, when a debt reaches what's called terminal philosophy, it's the reverse J-curve. You know, if you're an investor, you always try to get to that J-curve because your money starts just, it just, you, you multi-millions just fast. Once you hit the J-curve, most people won't wait long enough. They go, oh, I need, I need a new pair of pants. And, and they won't wait long enough for the J-curve. This is the J-curve in reverse. It's the J-curve of debt. We, we can't even pay the interest, let alone the principal on that debt. So something will have to happen. There will have to be a currency reset. Or they will have to uh, start taxing savings accounts it still won't be enough to pay all the debt. Something will have to happen. Well, with this financial crisis all over the world, they got to come up with a new monetary system. Only they won't be using money. It'll all be done electronically. We've heard a lot about Bitcoin lately, just electronic money. We're being conditioned with ATM machines, EFT transfer. I can get on my computer and I can transfer money from Wells Fargo Bank to Fifth Third Bank in a second. From Fifth Third to Wells Fargo to Fidelity, just like that. And it's convenient. I mean, who's going to argue with it? It's convenient. But right now, we're told in Revelation 13 that during this final three and a half years known as the Great Tribulation that this world magnetic leader that has a religious promoter there will be talk of Jesus but the great deception is there's only one real Jesus Christ the Son of God some say Jesus is the God of this planet others say he, he was the Christ only after he became possessed with Maitreya Others say that Jesus is an ascended master. Paul said there are other Jesuses and there are other spirits. But there's only one Jesus of the Bible that can save us and get us to heaven. And that's why I give that doctrine of Christ almost every time I preach that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Blessed Virgin, lived a sinless life, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, was crucified executed not for his sin but for our sin because man is hopelessly lost without a savior and God gave only one savior his son Jesus Jesus died was buried rose from the dead ascended to heaven and promised to come again that's the doctrine of Christ because there are so many people out there who say well I love Jesus and you think oh they've gotten saved but what they're talking about is a totally different Jesus you have the New Age Jesus. You have the Muslim Jesus. The Muslim Jesus is, is Mahdi, the 12th Imam, Mahdi's right-hand man. Jesus 
The Jesus of the Muslims is the Jesus that's supposed to go around and convert everybody to Islam, and if they don't, he will be in charge of their executions. That's the Esos, Jesus of the Muslims. Don't believe people that say, I love Jesus, if there is no indicator in their lives that there's been a change. Because if any man be in the real Christ, he becomes a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. But this man of sin will come up with a, a cashless society and already, you, you read Fortune magazine, Money magazine, you read Time magazine, they're already talking about the cashless society where we won't need exchange money. They're talking about a currency reset. There's no way we can pay the debt, no, so, so we reset the currency. And, it, and the, the, have, you know, pumping 80 billion dollars a month into treasury bonds. I mean, printing the money to buy treasury bonds to lower the dollar so we can pay some of our debt in dollars that are less. You know, that's exactly what happened to Germany before the rise of the Austrian sergeant named Adolf Hitler. It got out of control. The second thing, when Everett Koop was... Uh, Surgeon General, he said, America is now taking the path to Auschwitz because we take abortion and killing and euthanasia so lightly now. He said, that's exactly what happened in Germany before Adolf Hitler. So it was easy to exterminate Jews. Life had no value. And if we don't value little babies that should be safe in their mother's womb, we have lost respect for life. We are taking the pathway to Auschwitz. So this cashless society, he comes up and he says, everyone must have a brand on their hand, the right hand, or their forehead, a mark. And we used to be taught that it'd be a tattoo, and some still say it will be a tattoo. But the word mark in the Greek language is simply a brand. Do you know how they brand cattle today? A biochip. They don't burn, you know, triple R ranch on their behind anymore. They, they just put a little chip in their ear. And you wave a wand over it, and you know whose cow it is. And in Los Angeles, they started with PET scan, you know, 23. 30 years ago, get your pet chipped so you can always track it with GPS or whatever. And now merchant marines are being chipped to help prevent terrorists from getting in. And one Christian said, that sounds awful a lot like Revelation 13. And he, he didn't want to be chipped. And they argued with him and he said, I am not going to take a chip. And so they gave him they made an ID card for him with the information on it, but they charged him $800 to do it. In Virginia, now listen to this, in the health care law. In the health care law, it calls for the authorization, authorization of putting a microchip in Americans on the health care system. And it's an RFID chip. It can hold your social security number, all the information about you. 
It'll come to the day. It can hold your bank account information. And you, you go to a store, and you just put your hand under a scanner, and it deducts from your account and goes into the store account. No exchange of cash whatsoever. And they say... And, and uh, Perry Stone has a book coming out called The Prophetic Code. It's one of the best books. I got a pre... It's not released yet. I got the pre-release copy. And... Um, it's it's one of the most fascinating books you will ever read in your life because he has actually talked with a he talked with a healthcare official, not a Christian, who was saying that uh, yeah, in the healthcare law, um, we're going to be uh, putting a little biochip in people by the year 2017, and it's going to save the government all kinds of money on healthcare because the, it just waves in. Now, if you can believe this, Mike Luckhurst, who's a medical salesman, came over to my office and he said, Pastor Dave, I can't believe this. And he showed me an ad on his iPad for medical chips that if, if you get them uh, in your right hand or right here at your hairline, because the body temperature is perfect right here under the hairline or right here in your hand to keep the chips charged. And he, he showed me the ad that these chips prevent cancer and heart disease. Advertising the biochips. Now this Antichrist, according to Revelation 13, will come up with a system that will be a cashless society. Everyone will have to be branded in some way. And that will be a loyalty test. Christians, uh, people that come to Christ during the tribulation period, will be beheaded for their faith. Death camps will be open. The smell of flesh will be in the air. Um, Now, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled when he was talking about his coming for his people. Right in the middle of talking about the tribulation, Matthew 24, he said, see that you be not troubled. He said, see that you be not troubled. He's talking to his people. See that you be not troubled. When Paul talked about it in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, comfort one another with these words. Well, let me ask you this. What kind of comfort is it to know that There's going to be a financial crash. There's going to be a man arise that makes Hitler look like a Sunday school teacher. There's going to be another holocaust. Christians are going to be beheaded for their faith. Everybody is going to have to take a brand under their hand or in their forehead. Uh, 21 rapid-fire judgments and plagues are going to pour out. Do you know that the CDC just reported that 2% of the homes in America already now have MRSA? MRSA is a terrible, uh, isn't that what our cousin Lynn had? And, and, uh, it's, it's a horrible thing. And now there's C. difficile. And here's what the History Channel said. It talked about 1917, 1918, the Spanish flu wiped out some entire villages in America. Um, up to 80% of the people were, were uh, succumbed to death just because of the flu. Um, they say that these plagues go in about 100-year cycles. Well, we're getting pretty close to 100 years from 1917 and 1918, if that's true. But we can see how the plagues, the judgments of Revelation could pour out with rapid fire 
to where by time Armageddon, World War III, by time that's about to break loose in the Valley of Jehoshaphat or the Valley of Megiddo, that one half to three quarters of the whole world population will already be dead. Red tide that suffocates the fish will come to our oceans, not just the Gulf. Right now, another report that jellyfish are out of control. People can hardly swim anymore. The jellyfish are getting out of control in our oceans, and they say it's because the temperature is rising in our ocean, which is going to cause great geophysical weather conditions that will be adverse. Now, Paul said when he was talking to the Thessalonians, he said, comfort one another with these words. Why is he saying comfort one another with these words? How can you be comforted knowing you're going to be killed? The smoke that's going up in the air might be your son being burned to death in one of the death camps. You might see your wife's head go rolling down the road. Comfort one another with these. Well, some of you might be comforted with those words. I don't know. I hope not. But <laughs> I hope not, but... Here's why he said that. For the first 400 years of the Christian church, the church fathers, for the first 400 years, taught that Jesus Christ was coming for his church before the final conflagration, or whatever that word is. Today we'd call it tribulation. Tertullian, Irenaeus, all the early church fathers except for Ambrose. Ambrose was the one that became anti-Semitic and he was the first Christian to begin replacement theology. Those that studied under Ambrose took a different road, an amillennial road, that everything is spiritual, all prophecies fulfilled, but for the first 400 years, the church fathers taught that Jesus is coming for his church. And it was taught even in the 1700s that Jesus was coming for his church. Those that believe that Jesus will take us out of this world just the way he took Lot and his daughters out of Sodom and Gomorrah before the judgment struck, just the way he sealed up Noah into the ark before the judgment struck, that God is going to take us out. Revelation 3 said, I will keep thee from the hour of temptation that shall come to try the whole world. And that word in the Greek is ek, which means I will keep you out of it. Not through it, out of it. Out of it. Now that means, just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, And you can read it on the handout I gave you tonight. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, something is going to happen. It's going to be instantaneous. Now again, I, I want to tell you, I love my brothers that, that differ with the, you know, the fact is it's going to happen. 
My assumption is it's going to happen here. And the reason I have that assumption is based on the promises of Christ and Paul and something having to end this church age for the final Shabua. Now let me just finish this up. 21 rapid-fire judgments pour out on the earth. 21, you have trumpets, bowls, seals. Trumpets, bowls, and seals. Seven of each. 21 huge judgments. Insects, animals lose their fear of man, and, uh, and animals are so hungry they're going to be eating babies. And, and here's another thing. People say, well, all the children are going to go in the rapture. Not true. You see, you have to study from Genesis to Revelation. Every time judgment came and the parents were wicked, the children suffered with the parents. Achan's children's were destroyed along with the parents. The children in Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed with their parents. If a child has a believing mother or a believing father, they will go. If not, they will stay. It's that simple. It's, it's the way everything has worked in the past. Okay, now the rapid-fire judgments boil down there's going to be another invasion on Israel. In fact, Israel's going to be burning the weapons found in this for seven years. We're told in Ezekiel 39. Now, uh, there's going to be another invasion of Israel, but this time it's going to be a world war. The United States will be off the scene. Something happens. Now, David Wilkerson, before he died had a vision almost like, uh, did I tell you about George Washington's vision and, and the, the, the prophet's vision in the 50s? George Washington had an amazing vision. You can look this up. It's, it's uh, somewhere out there. I don't know where. I, could, I couldn't find it in my notes. But, but uh, he, he had a vision. He told one of his generals about this vision that he had. He said he, he saw the republic. And there was an angel flying through the air saying the Republic has fallen, or uh, the Union, he called it back then. The Union has fallen. The Union has fallen. And he said he saw a lady with a torch that was tipped over. Now, we didn't even have the Statue of Liberty yet. And he said he saw smoke billowing up that looked like mushrooms. Now, David Wilkerson... He died just a couple years ago. I filled in for him. He was supposed to speak at a conference and had an emergency, and I filled in for him there. And I, we went to see David Wilkerson from the time we were just just young, founder of Teen Challenge. And he was he was kind of hard to be around sometimes because he was tough, you know, and rough. He was like Elijah or, or Elisha, but when he had a prophetic word. Sometimes prophetic words, they don't come to pass the next day. He had a prophetic word that in 1973 that the Iron Curtain was coming down, that Russia was going to open to the gospel and America would become more closed to the gospel. That was 1973. For seven, 
For 14 years in a row, he kept having a reoccurring vision of fires all over America. Riots all over America. Fires in every major city of America. And the final vision that he told, he told a friend. He said, this was no vision. And this was no dream. An angelic messenger came to him with one final warning for America and showed him thousands of fires in the major cities of America if America didn't repent. And then David went to heaven. Now, financial collapse, it's coming. There's no, there's no way about it. People will do anything to get their money back. Give me that, Mark, buddy. Just get my money back. <laughs> Number two, we could go out because of the massive immorality that we're exporting around the world. Do you know there are one million American children that are missing in sex slavery? American children. Number three, we could be judged. Right now, Russia is trying to put bases in Cuba and in Venezuela to have missiles aimed at the United States. The United States, God could say, all right, I'm fed up with the sin and corruption, and boom, United States could go out overnight. But you know what I believe? I believe that Jesus is going to take us out first. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be instantaneous. No second chances. And if we believe lies right now, imagine the lies of the Antichrist. Paul said, who loveth and believeth a lie, who loves in unrighteousness more than the truth now, afterward it's too late. Strong delusion will come over the population of the world. They will believe the lies of the Antichrist. And do you know the New Age people are already saying Earth is about to go into a time of cleansing, and there are certain people that are holding back Earth's harmony, and they will suddenly disappear one day. I mean, you talk about preparing the unbelieving world for a disappearance of us harmony disruptors. I'm a harmony disruptor. I, w I wish we had 26 weeks together. I'm just giving you a thumbnail sketch. But once they're gathered and the whole world is wiped out, all of a sudden, they're going to look up in the sky and they're going to see a cloud. This same cloud that came to get us, and while we're in heaven, we go to the judgment seat of Christ to get our rewards we go to prepare for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And they're going to say, look, look at that cloud up there. And then they're going to look a little closer, and there's going to be, as Jude called, 10,000. See, he didn't know how to say millions back then. Millions and millions and millions of God's people coming back on white horses 
And he who rides the leading steed is the one called faithful and true, the one whose vesture is drip, dipped in blood, the one we call the living word of God, none other than the real Jesus Christ. And he's going to speak, and the Antichrist, the one that is the son of perdition, and the false prophet, this fake Christian promoter of the, of the Antichrist, will be thrown into the lake of fire, Gehenna, the garbage dump of all creation, without ever going to the great white throne judgment. Satan himself is going to be thrown into a pit where he's bound in chains for a thousand years. Jesus is coming back, and for 45, it's going to take us 45 days. We're coming back in our glorified bodies. See, in a moment, in twinkling an eye, we were changed. He's coming back in 45 days. The nations will be judged, and we're going to get rid of all the statues and pictures and everything that the Antichrist, this world magnetic leader that everyone loved so much, get rid of all his paraphernalia and stuff that he brought to this earth. And then we're going to enter the millennial reign of Christ where Jesus will be the president of the world, ruling out of Jerusalem. You and I will be the governors, the mayors, and we will rule with a rod of iron. And the quarter people that survived the tribulation that didn't take the mark of the beast, that didn't take that chip or whatever it turns out to be, they will go into the millennium with us. They will still procreate. They'll still have children. They'll still be human beings. But only they'll live four, five, six hundred years. You know, if a person dies at a hundred, why? The devil's now bound. We're cleaning everything up. We're cleaning up the environment. We clean every, We get this world running pretty good with Jesus. Every October, we'll go over to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. And Crystal will get up to the pulpit and she'll say, please welcome our Lord and Savior, Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the keynote speaker will walk up for the great and notable day. I'm glad you're saved. And if you're not, you should be. Because you wouldn't want to be here for five seconds. And you know, I'm confident. I'm so confident. The Lord loves us. The judgments came on Egypt. They didn't bother Goshen. You're protected. God is your shield and your buckler. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time you've given us tonight. Give us understanding minds and open hearts to hear what you're saying to the church. Lord, I pray that not one of our loved ones will be left behind. And we pray together as Jesus taught us to pray in Luke 2136, count us worthy to escape the coming time of trouble that's coming on this world and all the things Jesus prophesied about this final Shabuah. God, make us ready. Help us not to just get so upset over menial, trivial things. Help us to be of one accord. Help us to lift up our pastor's arms and Pray for him and his family and for one another. And Lord, may this nation, instead of going out in a nuclear cloud, let this nation have such a revival that we go out in a glory cloud. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. 
Thank you for listening. Dr. Dave Williams is a teacher, coach, and trainer to successful pace-setting leaders in ministry, business, and life. After leading a flourishing church for more than 30 years and establishing more than 500 daughter churches around the world, he has the knowledge and experience to help you succeed and be fruitful in your life's calling. Now, through this series of messages on the end times events, Dave will help you understand the ancient biblical prophecies that are coming true today. Right now, there is a tremendous level of interest in the Bible prophecies. Long predicted signs are coming to pass in an extraordinary manner. Today, a monster is brewing on the geopolitical horizon. Bible prophecies have become the headlines in our daily newspapers. Very shortly, this world will reel into its deepest hour of torment and agony. Ominous storm clouds are gathering over the nations. What does this mean to you and your family? Is there an escape for God's people from the evil times to come? The answer is yes. St. Paul shared God's wonderful plan for Christians. This two-message series reveals the long-predicted steps to the fulfillment of God's prophetic word and how followers of Jesus Christ can escape the coming tribulation. Order today and we'll give you an additional $5 off the retail price. Use promo code ENDTIMES when ordering. Call 1-800-888-7284 or visit us online at www.davewilliams.com and order today.